Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look so good today. You look so nice. Let me just say, first of all, I am uh, just watching this, the last two services. What an amazing just display of your faith. And uh, I just want to tell you, I'm proud to be your pastor. Um, I love each and every one of you. I get excited. You know, um, for the last however long we've been in this building, really ever since we started this church 19 years ago, whenever I, especially coming up over here, I come up over the top of this hill, I'm always wondering if anybody's going to show up. And... Uh, and I even pay some people to be here, and I'm not sure they're going to be here. And so I'm just glad you're here, and it's exciting. I never take it for granted, and I'm just thankful for each and every one of you. Give yourselves a big hand. You guys are awesome. Also online, thank you guys for, for serving with us. We want to welcome people from Virginia, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Texas. Give it up for all of our online streamers. Good to see you guys. Hope to see you next weekend. Easter next week, we call, we call it around here the Super Bowl Sunday um, because people are going to come to church that would never, ever come to church. And the reason they're going to come to church is because you're going to invite them. So I want to give you a challenge, okay, a challenge. Over the next week, we got seven days. Everybody say seven days. Seven days. I want you to invite seven people, one a day. That's all. All you got to do, I want you to break into their house, kidnap them, whatever you got to do. Get them to church. They're going to come. All you got to do is invite them. Send them a text. Knock on their door at 3 o'clock in the morning. That works really good. Um, it worked for a lot of my friends. And so you can invite them, send them a text, invite them at work. Uh, if you're in the coffee line, buy them a coffee, invite them, you know, uh, coerce them. Whatever you need to do, get them to church. You get them to church, we'll get them saved. Bring your family, drag them, handcuff them. Whatever you need to do, just get them here. Get your kids here. It's going to be amazing, amazing. Next week is going to be amazing. All of our campuses were wide open. And make sure you register as well, just so we know how the service is. We need to add one, whatever we need to do. All right. Um, we're finishing up this series today called How to Win Within. We've been talking about our heart 
and my wife talked a little bit about this particular passage. I talked a little bit about this passage, and I could not get away from it. And so I get the honor. I want, I want to just continue digging into this one particular passage that Jesus shared in Mark chapter 4. And it's involving, if you want to write this down, I'd encourage you to take some notes today, the evolution of the heart. The evolution of the heart. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Jesus is he's teaching a bunch of people. It says, and again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude, look at your neighbor, say, a great multitude, a great multitude. Look at your other neighbor, say, a lot of peoples, a lot of peoples. And the Bible says multitude, it could be anywhere from 5,000 to 25,000 people. It says, with gathered to him, so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he, Jesus, taught them many things in parables. Everybody say parables. Stories. These are allegories. Stories. Parables are stories that come alongside a principle and said to them in his teaching. Here's the parable. He said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. The birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and it immediately it sprung up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And then he said, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. Look at your neighbor, point at him, say, you look like good ground today. You look like, look at your second choice. Look at your second choice, say, even you look like good ground today. Turn around behind you, look behind you, say, thanks for taking a shower, you smell good. All right. But other seed fell on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Good ground. All together online, one more time, say good ground. Good ground. And yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60 some 100, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, as Christians, one of the things we have to understand is you never stop growing. It's a constant. The moment that you decide that you've arrived, you start going backwards. That's the way it is. Now, we've learned over the last few weeks that our heart is not um, just one thing when it involves us as believers or anybody. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And your heart is spread out on all three of those platforms, and it really becomes the, the, the foundation by which your spirit man, your soul, and your body all function within. One of the keys to growing or maturing is what I like to call awareness. Awareness is a very important part of maturing. I think it's the most important part. There's two areas that you have to be aware in in order to grow. The first is you, you become aware of what's around you, okay? your friends, the people you hang out with. How many, how many uh, over your life your friendships have changed? Raise your hand, okay? How, how many of your life has gotten better since some people left your life. Come on, raise your hand. Don't point at them right now across the, some of them go to other campuses. That's all right. 
So we, we, we have this awareness of people. So as you mature and grow, what happens is your friendships change, your relationships change. You want better people around you. You realize, and all that happens because you're aware. The other area, which is the most important awareness, is not just aware around us, but aware within us. Now, here's what God does. God always uses seasons in order to mature you. God never wastes a season. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a problem. He never wastes a suffering. He'll, he'll, he'll always use it, no matter what. If we choose to allow him, he will, always, he will always use it, sometimes even if we don't want him to use it. Even if we don't realize that he's using it, he's using that to do something in our heart. And our heart needs to grow. Now, Jesus, when he, when he spoke, he used a hundred different metaphors to describe the kingdom of God. And he, and he, he gave... 36 different, totally different parables. However, this one parable he calls the master key of all parables. So he preaches this. He says, listen, and he's talking to five, between 5,000 and 25,000 people. And, and then he pulls his disciples aside, okay? So we're like, we're like sitting on the couch with Jesus right now. Let's pretend. We're all, Jesus is talking to us today. We're sitting on the couch you know, he just had some chips and salsa. We're just chilling with Jesus. All right, so we're all hanging out with Jesus. Because his disciples didn't understand it, he knew that they didn't understand it. And in order for them to grow, they had to understand all of his parables. And so he was going to give them this master key. So here's what he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. So he preaches the parable, pulls his disciples aside. They have chips and salsa. And then he says this to them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Master key. I love master keys. It's interesting. I don't have a master key to any of my buildings, any of the buildings that we have at Freedom House. I think uh, Stephanie has a master key. I don't know why they won't give me one. Maybe there's a reason. I don't know. Master keys are awesome. You can get in any door if you have a master key. If you have a master key to a hotel, any door you want to get in. Jesus is saying that this parable unlocks all the parables. If you want to learn of any of the parables, this is the master key that unlocks it. Now, whenever you read a parable, you got to ask yourself three questions. Every time you read a parable, and we're going to look at this because if this is the master key parable, we need to understand this parable, right? So we got to understand this. First question you have to ask when you're reading the parables is who am I in the parable? Who am I? So when you read this parable, who are you? Let me tell you, you are the soil. We are the soil. That's who we are. Second question that you have to ask yourself is, who is God in the parable? Identify God. God is the sower. Jesus is the seed. God is the sower. Jesus is the seed. He's the word, became flesh. He's the seed. God is the sower. What is the takeaway? What's the principle within the parable? Great question. Here's the principle that we can learn in this parable. Soil quality equals seed growth. Another way to say it, heart maturity equals spiritual growth. If I want to grow, I've got to deal with my heart. I've got to deal with my heart. So why is this the master key. 
Write this down. This is really important, what I'm going to tell you. And then we're going to build on this for the rest of the service. Why is this, this, is, why is this the master key? Because we learn two things. God's word is universal. What does that mean? That means that God's word is no respecter of persons. Let me say it another way. No one is privileged and no one is oppressed when it comes to God's word. Let me say that one more time just to make sure this is clear. Because culture will tell you that people have certain qualifications that others don't. When it comes to the word of God and God's kingdom, when you are a kingdom person, we all fall into the same realm when it comes to God's word. We all have the same benefits and available. No one's privileged and no one's uh, oppressed. Can I get an amen? amen? Understand that. If you want to be a part of God's kingdom, if you want to remove yourself from God's kingdom, then you possibly could have that. But when it comes to God, he's no respecter of persons. In other words, God's word works when God's word is worked. Let me say it again. God's word works when God's word is worked. Doesn't matter what country you're from. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter who your parents are, how much education you have, what color your skin is. God's word works, period. End of discussion. That's it. Receive it or not. That's up to you. It's up to you because the second aspect of this is that my growth is optional. So God's word is universal, but my growth is optional. In other words, my heart is my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Just like your heart is not my responsibility. What? You're my pastor. No, my job is to throw the seed. It's up to you what you do with it. Matter of fact, I've learned a long time ago as a preacher, I don't preach to your faces because your faces discourage me. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Some of you looking at me like right now, like, when are you going to get done? I'm hungry. Where'd you get that shirt at? Like, what's up? I realized a long, I had to learn a long time ago that I'm not preaching to your faces. I'm preaching to your spirits. Your spirits love this. Your face not, might not like it. And some of you are displaying that right now. Why did she bring me to this church? You know, whatever. My growth is optional. The variable in this is the soil. Your soil is your heart. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4. You follow me so far? Got to lay a little foundation. We got to learn from Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. Listen, it interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. Okay, so why, why, is this, why is this passage, why is this parable the master key? God's word is universal. My growth is optional. See, understand something, understand. The Holy Spirit will only go as deep as you allow him to. Now, when it comes to our heart, and I'm gonna go through this evolution because Jesus explains there's four evolutions of everybody's heart. Understanding your heart, you have a different foundation of your heart in different areas of your life. 
In other words, your heart responds one way relationally. Your heart responds one way emotionally. Your heart responds one way financially. Your, your heart has different compartments. And each one grows at different levels. So when you look at this, you need to find yourself. Okay, this is not one of those messages like, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Wow, they really need to hear this. No, you're here. I'm here. We need to hear this. And I heard this the last service. Great message. It's a great message. Okay, so, so understand, the Holy Spirit is only going to go as far as you let him go. He's not going to push. He is, he is a gentleman. He's always going to move according to where you let him or not. That's what's so great about church. You, you are the ones that determine the atmosphere of God's presence in any service, in any moment, in any life group. It's up to you. It's not up to God. God wants to bless. It's up to us whether we want to be blessed or not. Are you with me, guys? Y'all sure? You're with me? Okay, so let's talk about these four evolutions of the heart because Jesus breaks it down. And if we can understand this, we can understand all the parables, everything that Jesus teaches. So here's the first one. He says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in him. So here's the first one, is the hard heart or the wounded believer. Now, Jesus is not talking to atheists here. He's not talking to agnostics. He's not talking about people who don't believe in God. He's talking to people, Jesus is talking to people who have walked away or who have, wa- who have been walked on so they walk away. Life has walked on them. People have walked on them. Now let's bring this into cultural, cultural relevance right now. So if, if you look at what's happening in the church right now, there's this thing called progressive Christianity. Or deconstruction. You may have heard that word recently. Maybe some friends of yours are dealing with, they're, they're going through this deconstruction phase. Okay, well, what that, what that is, is I've got a hurt, I've got a wound, and I want to change the Bible to fix my wound. I, I, I've, got, I've got this problem, this dysfunction in me, and so I'm going to try to change theology in order to deal with my dysfunction, my problem. Now, that's not how it works. You, you can't rip pages out of the Bible and change Scripture in order to try to fix your own hurt. I'll tell you a story of a pastor who um, had a really, you know, kind of messed up family. Their family, he was married, had some kids. His kids went crazy. And so the pastor decided that in the garden, when God put Adam in the garden, he gave him the garden before he gave him Eve. So he created a theology that God gives ministry before family. So ministry comes before family. So in order to justify the dysfunction in the family, I'm going to create a theology that gives me the ability to do what I want and be okay with it. And so that's what happens. We have wounds, hurts in our heart, and so we change. Just ever so subtly, we'll, we'll, we'll deconstruct our faith, whatever you want to call it, create a Christianity in order to pacify our hurt. Why? Because when God heals your hurt, sometimes it hurts. That's good right there. 
right? We don't like that. When God starts dealing with our stuff, we're like, no, no, I don't want him to go there. I don't want to mess with, don't mess with my marriage. I like my dysfunction in my marriage right now. So, so he starts putting his finger on the thing that he wants to, the Holy Spirit kind of pokes at us a little bit. And so instead of getting healed, instead of letting God, the Holy Spirit, deal with that hurt, we just kind of push him away and then create theology in order to fix it. So I can justify being mean to you. Or I can justify living in my wound. Are you following me? I can justify it. I can just justify going from marriage to marriage. Well, you know, I can do whatever I want. I'll tell you another story, another quick story. I didn't share this in the last service. Another quick story. I met a man several years ago in our church. He was on our worship team, and his wife had passed away. And sadly, it was a very sad situation. We ministered to him through it, kind of helped him through it. Then he met this girl. They started living together. I challenged him on it. I said, that's not the way it works. In marriage, you don't test drive the car before you buy it. Just want to make sure I'm in church today. Okay, you buy it, then you get the keys. Hello. Amen. All the single people said, amen. If you're married, you got the car, baby. Just drive that bad boy. (laughs) <laughs> and all the married people said, yes, Lord, amen. When you're getting done, Pastor, I need to go drive some cars. <laughs> so I challenged him. You know what he said? God understands. Really? So God's going to change for you. I'm hurt, so I need this. God understands. You understand, you can't create theology to fix your wound. So, do, do, I, do I know spiritual abuse happens? Absolutely. Just like corporate abuse, just like marriage abuse, just like physical abuse, sexual abuse. In an abusive situation, you remove yourself out of the situation, right? But you don't create theology in order for you to stay wounded. So, what are some wounds of the heart? Uh, Wounds of the heart would be like hurt. Church hurt, leader hurt, life hurt. And here's the thing, a hurt unhealed leads to a life unlived. If I don't heal my heart, I'll never get past that hurt. If If you're a leader in business, in life, parent, whatever, you'll never lead past that hurt. Because you're always going to bump up against that hurt, no matter where you go, go. And eventually, you have to recognize, we have to recognize that it's my hurt, not yours. I can't dictate your, I can't, I can't put it on, I can't blame you for my hurt. I got to deal with my own hurt, or else I'll live a victim for the rest of my life. And I'll never live my life to the full potential. You'll never lead or live past your last unhealed hurt. That's why God wants to heal you. Remember, we're talking about the wounded heart, the wounded believer. The second wounds of the heart is offense. People get offended. Either they've been mistreated by someone or they think that they've been mistreated. See, Satan is a great illuminator. He always sheds light on something in order to make you think it happened. So we create all these stories in our head when it never really even happened. Offense typically happens because of unmet 
or unrealistic expectations. Sometimes even unspoken. I'll give you an example. Happens in church all the time. People come from another church, and I'll just throw myself under the bus. They meet me in the lobby, and in their old church, they got to spend all this time with the pastor. Okay, they went out to eat with them. They met with him all the time. He's the one that counseled them, and I just don't do that. Like, I'm not good at it. You don't want me to counsel you. I'm just not very good at it. Okay, you say, well, why ain't you? I, I used to be, but now I have people that are way better than me. And I don't go out to eat with everybody. Why? Because I don't want to. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with we have thousands of people that attend here. If I went to out, if I made a standard of going out to eat with everybody, I would never be home with my wife. And I like my wife. That's right, because I'm married. I got the keys, baby. Mm. Hurry up, Pastor. I need to get home. So they get mad at me. Unspoken expectation. They get mad at me because they have this expectation that they put on the pastor to meet a need that was never spoken, just somewhat understood. So they get offended. They go to the next church, same thing happens. They go to the next church, same thing happens over and over. Then there finally has to be a point where you realize, "Hmm, I keep having the same problem everywhere. Maybe the problem is me. The third wound is envy. Envy is a big one. The Bible calls this coveting. Coveting always precedes comparison. Coveting always precedes comparison. Envy always precedes comparison. Remember, you're your own person. You have your own purpose. Don't compare yourself to the blessings of somebody else. Be excited for them. Get fired up for them. They get a new car, yes. Don't be like, why ain't you blessing me, God? Why are you like that, God? I mean, come on, God. Or you get mad at them. I can't believe that. I know who they are. They shouldn't be getting this. I mean, then you start comparing yourself to them. And then the last one is unforgiveness. That's a wound that can hurt your heart. So, so let's talk about the next evolution of maturity. Okay, remember, we're looking for ourselves in this. Have you been walked on? So now you've walked away. Second one is what I call the, the shallow heart or the emotional believer. Jesus says this in verse 16, Mark chapter 4. It says, the seed sown on gravel represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully. They're excited, emotional. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word, they don't endure for very long. For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. Okay, this is what I call the roller coaster Christian, up and down, up one day, down the next, up one Sunday, down on Monday. This is called feelings-based faith. Feelings don't hold up to a fight. Feelings is what, uh, faith is what's needed to last in a fight. Feelings are a good start, but are never meant for a foundation. I mean, just think about all the people you used to go out with. You love them like you were like all head over heels in love with them for about two weeks. And then they're gone now. You're on to the next one. You had feelings, but feelings are not a good place to, to build a foundation. Faith is where we need to build a foundation. Feelings-based faith always takes the path of least resistance. It's always going to go the easy route. Feelings-based faith wears off as soon as the feelings are gone. So here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 28, verse 26. It is foolish 
to follow your own opinions or your own feelings. Why? Feelings say you're tired and you need to quit. Feelings say this is way too much work. Feelings say my problems are way bigger than my God. Feelings say it's not worth it. It's, there's there's got to be an easier way. I'll just, I'll just give up. Feelings, feelings stay with the crowd because feelings say there's safety in numbers. Faith, however, is how we're supposed to live. That's the kind of ground we have to have. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for our life is a matter of faith. Faith says don't quit. There's more in you. Faith says that, that mountain can be moved. Faith says God is big. And nothing is impossible to him who believes. Are y'all with me? Faith says, if I fall down, I just get right back up. Faith builds on truth and is willing to be left behind by the crowd. That's what faith, faith is is built around truth. Regardless of what the crowds, because crowds are fickle. I mean, think about it. You look back in history, they were all excited about Jesus. Hail him, hail him. And then Friday came around, it's nail him, nail him. That's a pretty fickle crowd right there. Even today, crowds are really fickle. Don't don't allow the crowd to determine your faith. Let God's word determine your faith. Third progression is the distracted heart or the sidetracked believer. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus says, now these... Remember, he's breaking down this parable. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things, entering in, choke the word, follow this, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, this is, this is very important, what Jesus just said. He said that this particular person, this heart, produced fruit and then became unfruitful. They had significance. They had success. They were doing something. They were were having an impact, but then they stopped. Why? Worries, wealth, wants, cares, cash, comparison, all these things play into the distracted or sidetracked believer. In other words, a comfortable Christian is a dangerous Christian. And if we start to get comfortable, we can compromise for stuff, for people, for popularity, for uh, appeal. Listen, when you stand for something, people aren't going to like you. Hello. You're going to risk some stuff when you start saying some stuff. And when you have something to say and you stand up for it, and you have a value that you believe in that's based on the word, and then people are questioning the very foundation of that truth, people aren't going to like you. you got to be okay with that. And can I just say something? The longer we're here on earth, the more that's going to be an option. Now, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, amen. I'm glad to get up, up, get up out of here. It's going to be way better in heaven. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's going to be way better in heaven than it is on earth. Way better. People are going to like you in heaven. Even if they have Instagram in heaven, they might even give you a like in in heaven. They won't even be able to block you or nothing in heaven. heaven, Heavenly Instagram. Maybe that's a good name for an app. I don't know. Anyway, 
But if we get comfortable, if we put our lives on cruise control, that becomes very dangerous because then things can seep in. And I've watched this. I've watched this happen over. It's happened in my own life. I remember early on in my walk with God, I, start, I got involved in the youth ministry. And I'll be honest with you, the youth ministry I was involved with was terrible. The leadership was horrible. But I was committed. But then things started happening. I got a job. You know, my wife, I started making money. And then next thing you know, I just started skipping the services. One service turned into two services, turned into three services, turned into not tithing, turned into I wouldn't go to church, turned into disconnected from my relationships. I became comfortable. Was I going to heaven? Yeah. Did I believe in Jesus? Yeah. But I became comfortable and I got dangerous with my faith. I started stepping away. I got sidetracked. Are you sidetracked? Is Jesus calling you to another level right now? So he did this often. Matter of fact, he told a story one time uh, of the marriage. He talked about this, this wedding celebration. In the Bible, he uses this, this, this same parable, parabola kind of philosophy, and he says the servant was sent out and to ask people to come to the wedding. And one of them said, well, you know, I've got this piece of land and I need to go look at it. I can't come. One said, I just, bought, I, just, I just started this business. I can't come. One of them said, I just got married and I need to take care of my family and I can't come. In other words, they missed the opportunity that God was giving them. Maybe God's asking you to do something. Maybe he's kind of giving you a little nudge. Maybe liberty was an opportunity for you to step up financially. Maybe. Maybe somebody around has been asking you, hey, where are you serving? Have you gone through Get on Track yet? Oh, I just like coming to the church. You know, I got a job. I got a family. I got kids. I just had a baby. No, don't become comfortable. Push in. Don't, don't allow the seed of God's word to get sidetracked and choked out. The last progression or evolution of the heart, and then I'm done. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. He says, but the seed sown on good soil. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you look like good soil today. You look, look at your other neighbor and say, you looking good. Say, your soil's looking, your ground's looking good today. <laughs> but the seed sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. I don't know if you saw it, he gives us the formula for being good soil. The formula for a good heart. Open your heart, receive the word, and then bear fruit. It's pretty simple. It's not difficult. It's not challenging. He says, open your heart, receive the word, and bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100-fold. Don't get focused on the, the amount of the harvest just get focused on the harvest. Get focused on, I want to produce significance. I want to have a lasting impact because this heart is the productive heart or the significant believer. Significant believers think differently. They have a different mindset. They look at life differently. They look at money differently. They look at relationships differently. They look at church differently. They look at everything that they see in life. They look at it through a different lens. I think one of the biggest lenses they look through is the lens of legacy. A significant believer 
good ground always looks at life through the lens of legacy. What is legacy? Simple definition. Definition. I don't want just what can come to me. I want what needs to go through me. I'm always thinking through me. Okay, if, I, if, I, if God blesses me with this, how can I get it through me? I got this job. How can I get it through me? God is a generational God. He's always thinking generational. That's why his title in the Old Testament was God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations. He's always thinking three generations. Always. That's why he said in Proverbs that he, he's given us wealth to lay up an inheritance for our children's children. Three generations. My generation, my children's generation, and my children's children's generation. So when I think of legacy, when I'm thinking of being significant, I'm not just thinking about how I can impact me. I want to impact my children's children. So as a pastor, look, look, we're not building this church just for me and, and really not just for you. I want to make an impact through you. When I preach every weekend, I want to preach through you. I want you to take what I, what, what's being said today, and I want you to go to work tomorrow and go, man, that, that messed me up yesterday about my heart. Am I sidetracked? Am I putting too much emphasis on my job? I'm going to take my friend out to lunch today and talk to them about that message. Boom, there it worked. Legacy. If you're a dad, we want to inspire you to be a dad. You say, well, I I don't have a bunch of money. That doesn't matter. You have wisdom and experience. You have a wealth of life that you can give your kids. Why? So you can think legacy. That's, that's what good ground, that's what a significant believer, that's how they think. They're always thinking through. Always thinking through. They think selflessly. Significant believers, productive heart, they think sacrificially. They think serving. They think kindness, generous. They think, how can I reconcile redemption? They think like this. It's never an intake. It's about impact. It's not what I can consume, but what can I give away? Not what I can take in, but how can I make an impact through somebody? They're always thinking that way. It's never about how much, but who else? Who can I, who can I get involved in this? It's not... It's never about what I can get, but what I can give. So, where are you? Listen, this, this is one of those magnifying messages. I'm not preaching this just for you. I'm preaching this for me. I got some heart stuff going on too. I've been saved a long time, and God's still putting his finger on some junk. Just ask my wife. Just talk to her. Just give her a little call. She'll say, Troy got issues. But I want to be open to the Holy Spirit so He can move in my life and just go a little deeper, just go a little deeper, go a little deeper so I can be a little better, be a little better, be a little better. Amen. Why don't you stand up on your feet? If you can, just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. I sense His presence here right now. Can we just welcome Him right now? Can you personally just welcome Him? into your life, into your family, into your world. 
Maybe even just whisper, God, I want to be good ground. Maybe the Lord is putting his finger on something relationally. God, I want to be good ground. Have I gotten a little hard-hearted? Have I become like the wayside? Have I got a little distracted, comfortable? Holy Spirit, come and just, just nudge me a little bit. Maybe it's financially. God, I want to be good ground. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to go a little deeper. Just go a little deeper. A little deeper in my marriage. Just a little deeper in my spiritual walk with you. I want to be more effective with my family, with my friends. I don't want to just fall in line with the crowd, God. I need to be distinguished, set apart like you, Jesus. Just let, let's let his presence just touch you right now. That's, that's his presence right there, right there. That's his presence. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence. Welcome you, Jesus. Have your way. We want our hearts to be healed. I, I feel, feel like there's some people online. The reason you're not here today is not because of a mask or because of a pandemic. It's because you got hurt. Don't let that hold you back. Now's your time to shine. Just let, let, let his presence heal that hurt. It might hurt a little bit, but let him heal it. Let him heal it. Let him heal that offense, that unforgiveness, that wound. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and maybe you don't know Jesus, you don't know him personally, and you want to, the presence that you feel right now is the relationship that Jesus wants to have with you every single day, every day, every day. All you got to do is invite him in. Open your heart, receive his word, and his power will come and set you free, free from addictions, free to live eternally in heaven. All you got to do is say yes. That's you today. Would you just lift both hands? I want to pray with you. Maybe you've done this before, but you know your life is not pleasing to God. Hey, listen, let's, let's just get real before Jesus today. Let's just pray this prayer. Everybody, let's, church family, let's just do it all together today. Say, Heavenly Father, my heart is open. Jesus, thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago. Dying on the cross being raised from the dead all of the wounds you received so that I could be healed inside and out I receive you today Father God I receive your word I'm good ground in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on give God a big hand clap today thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.